You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 382, the bizarre tale of a fake band on a fake tour, the brain-battering world of humorous marketing, and those rock classic songs that we just don't get. It's all coming up after Super Furry Animals and Juxtaposed With You. by Billboard magazine as one of the most imaginative bands of our time, which I think is um, excellent and opposite description. This was their 13th single. It reached number 14 in the UK in 2001. The wonderful Super Furry Animals and Juxtaposed With You. I love that. I love the Super Furry Animals anyway. I've always rather liked that because it's, I don't know if it's a great record because despite the fact that it sounds a bit like the Lighthouse family or because mm. of the fact that it sounds a bit like the Lighthouse family. It's bizarre. I didn't expect that from them at that time, but that's on their best of, well, sort of best of, which is called mm. Songbook. And whilst I'm usually an indie snob about best of, particularly mm. about indie bands, actually, I think that's a really nice introductory record to the Super Furry Animals. It was largely mm. my introductory record. I had a couple of their singles, but I didn't have very much. And and it's um it's a really strong collection of songs i think it dates from the early 2000s and it's it's wonderful i'm a, i'm a huge fan of that that record that song and particularly that kind of 
mini sort of best of although now of course it does not have the superlative bing bong on it which we have previously played <laughs> on this have, podcast because yeah. i am greatly enthusiastic about that i get a bit of kind of marvin gay in juxtaposed with you as well yeah, and, it's, it's, and it's i very, want you to want me to yes it's very smooth isn't it mm. it's very kind of but but with genuine emotion mm. underneath it and i and gruff reese is such a kind of a renaissance man mm. he does all sorts of different projects sort of neon neon being a bit more sort of electric and i also like the fact that they've been very committed to uh, singing in Welsh as well, although mm. I'm amused by the fact that um, one of the songs on, on the uh, songbook, they did a sort of all Welsh language album called Mung, and it's spelt M-W-N-G and one of the tunes in that is called a Speedy Eye Haylog, and of course I don't know what it's about at all, because I don't speak <laughs> Welsh but it's a real kind of, it's a real rocking <laughs> tune, it's got a very strong melody and when you go on to iTunes um, and sort of Apple Music, that's the only song that's not available to listen to, and you think Oh, you're a great big racist! So I'm not putting the Welsh mm. language song on. Well, welcome whether you're from Wales or the wider world. Yes. Well, Indeed, if you're from Wales or people that speak English, yes, uh, <laughs> runs away very fast. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 382. I'm I don't ta- know how this keeps happening, uh, Terence. Uh, just the numbers go up every week. It's what? extraordinary. 382. When you really think about it, it's it, it's quite unnerving. Um, yes, I'm Terence Dackham, and there's not many of us who can say we've got a new album out this week, but here's a woman who can. It's Juliet Harris. I know, it's crazy. Speaking of things that are absolutely mad, it's crazy, isn't it? If you do want a copy of Mrs. Punch is Not For Sale, which mm. is in fact for sale, the most self-defeating name ever, by, by Go Bodicea, the band that I'm 50% of, then uh, do please drop me a message on Twitter, at SuperJules84, um, because I generally think it's a good record, and there's there's only about 25 left. We've managed to to sort of get rid of our account for 75 in a week, which we're a little bit, uh, little bit boggled at. So, um, so, so, yeah, if you would like, um, if you need it in your life, and I if it is an apt record for the times then do get in touch mm. oh, I think, good morning to everyone by the way yeah, every, everybody would, would need uh, this album in their life I, I would suggest I've been playing it uh, since it arrived midweek and I'm really enjoying it excellent well, uh, great. and also we, we, we scribble on them all by default as well I've got a signed copy and, haven't you, and you've got a postcard as I've well. got a postcard with it yeah. with a lovely personal message so you know yeah, you do. What a real I keepsake I went to bed an idiot and ran up and woke up absolutely running a cottage industry so, uh, so <laughs> which of us can say that eh? now you know what I was thinking this week about a peculiar story in the history of Fleetwood Mac mm, and in, why wouldn't you it, from time to time one's just <laughs> musing and one thinks do you know I remember this story about Fleetwood Mac yes absolutely in 1974 shortly before uh, the recruitment of Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham would invigorate them Fleetwood Mac they were on a a downward curve everything was Mm. going wrong the group was more or less disbanded but a tour had been booked and the band's then manager Clifford Davis didn't want to lose the income from the tour he was a bit of a scoundrel it would seem yes I think he was an idea Mm. so he booked up five musicians who had nothing at all to do with Fleetwood Mac <laughs> the singer was a bloke called Dave Terry but who called himself Elmer Gantry for rather complicated reasons um, he sounded like a complicated kind of guy really mm, this bogus Fleetwood Mac uh, quickly rehearsed the songs and went out on tour but of course it was a complete shambles and fell apart then the real Fleetwood Mac Mick Fleetwood um, John Peter and Christine Green? was Peter Green no, he, no he, he'd long gone um, oh, right, okay. sitting on benches in Twickenham with his extended fingernails and um, yes, taking yeah. substances. No, by then it was Mick Fleet with John and Christine McVie and they tied up with Buckingham and Nicks and we know the rest. History now, was made indeed. I was reminded of such shenanigans of this fake Fleetwood Mac uh, 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 this week by a story you discovered uh, this very week, Jules. Yeah, very, very strange story, story. This I know. I think it came to my attention in the NME and it was then picked up mm. by um, a sort of a wider wider media the bbc particularly so uh, we we go over to la this week a glamorous la um mm. as, as a morrissey once put it i now live in in la it's about five thousand miles east of rawtonshaw you can't miss it <laughs> um and uh, it's uh it, it's so we, we mean this chap called um jared threaten his, his surname will become relevant here so mm. threaten is spelled t-r i pronounce it threaten it's t-r-e-n 
so it's T-H-R-E-A-T-I-N, Threatin. Um, called his band after his surname. Why not? I mean, again, <laughs> it was good enough for Morrissey. And wow. um, and so he decides that he, you know, that, that, that his band is obviously doing quite well. So um, he books his own shows, which is perhaps a little bit unusual. But having said that, you know, the cottage industry that is Gobo de Sia, we quite often organise our own shows. Hmm. Um he books a string of shows across the UK to perform with his band, which is called Threatin. Um, and this is where it starts to get a bit kind of dodgy. He tells venues, I've sold hundreds of tickets for these gigs. Um, perhaps a bit unusual, but, you know, he comes from the glamorous world of L.A. He's He's got quite long hair. You think, oh, maybe it's the metal, you know, the metal world that I don't really know. Um he has booked he books support bands brilliant so all these nice support bands get a message saying oh would you like to support my band we've sold this many record you know tickets we're over here from america etc um you go up and you look on um you, you look them up on social media they've got thirty-eight thousand fans on their facebook page and jared himself has got about sixteen thousand followers on his instagram so they've got a following clearly you know they've got a fan base um uh, so we we uh, we now meet the rather unfortunate soul of uh, Billy John Bingham, who sings in Ghosts of Machines or Ghost of Machines, I think they're called. Who also themselves are quite long-haired and, and, and leather jacketed. <laughs> so you think, oh, that's a good, good match, you know, that's a good bill. Um, the promoter they they're in Bristol, um, or rather they they've been asked to support Threatening at the Exchange in Bristol. Um, they've taken some time off work because you know that they're in that kind of level of band. I sympathise, and they hire a van to drive from Swindon. So you know this is quite a big oh, gig God. for Billy and Co. Mm. Um, the promoter has confirmed 180 ticket sales. So you think, okay, that's a, that's a good crowd. Um, so. Billy turns up and, 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 and it's a bit odd at the beginning because nobody's coming through the door with any advance tickets, God. which is odd. Um, so um, so no one turns up to watch the support. There is nobody there. And, and you know, when you play in the support band, there's often quite, you know, there's quite a poorly attended at the beginning. Um, I Ludicrous, by the way, this is my recommendation of the week. Go and listen to We're the Support Band by I Ludicrous because it is very funny. It starts with, we come from out town, our van's broken down, we're the support band. So being a support band is often quite dispiriting anyway. No one is there. And then unusually, nobody is there for the headliner. Nobody turns up to watch Threaten. And Billy and his bandmates, Billy persuades his bandmates. Billy comes across as something mm. of an everyman hero out of this. <laughs> Billy and his bandmates persuades his bandmates that the polite thing to do is for them to stay in the room to watch Threaten. So Threaten puts on what is apparently an excellent performance and really goes for it and pulls Dr. Rockstar poses. And it's Billy and his bandmates that are the only four people that are in the room watching uh, watching the, um, the, the set. So now Billy believes that Jared is acting as his own promoter, manager and record label and has posed as someone called Casey to email and book Ghost of Machines. Um, so so after this experience, Billy, Billy's bandmates then contact a band called... Oh, this is such a window into the world of low-profile mm. low metal-type bands. The Unresolved are the next support <laughs> band who are meant to be supporting the Birmingham show on the 8th of November. And so they warm Adam, who is drummer with the Unresolved. And... Um, it was a bit better in Birmingham because Threatening sold one ticket, so there wasn't <laughs> somebody there to watch them. Oh, my he God. He said, we stayed for four or five songs, then we started packing up our gear into the car. The people that came with us seemed to notice we were packing up our stuff and left. In the end, Threatening played to the one person who bought a ticket. Threatening seemed... Um, uh, uh, Threatening then gets as far as... The, because it just goes on. He gets as far as the underworld in Camden. Um, the promoters... Um, the promoters... So Threatening paid a higher fee. This is what is so strange mm. about this. Threatening pays a higher fee to the venues, so the venues don't really miss out. It's it's unfortunate for the support bands, but but so so Patrice and John from the Underworld were told that in Camden were told that Threatening had sold 291 tickets <laughs> to their gig, and three people turned up. Um, and then John says they'd um, they played the full show. If they if they paid paid the high fee up front, we're obliged to see to see the whole thing through. Mm-hmm. He said the most remarkable thing is it didn't really seem to bother threatening. He seemed quite happy to give it his all without an audience. So it is very it's peculiar. I know that what the one person that did enjoy this is Gavin Carney, who's a bassist that joined Threatening for his European gigs. Um, so all very strange. And, and the thing was is that he played. 
he played all kinds of different venues. He played in Manchester. There were lots of YouTube footage of them playing to empty rooms. And um, the Belf- he did pass the, the, the Bel- he did a, a cancel one of the Belfast Empire gig. The whole thing mm. is odd because he seems to have wanted to fake being a rock star. He seems to have the money to be able to fake being a rock star. The the odd thing is that you in the age of it would seem that all of the Facebook followers were bought people from Brazil. Apparently, you mm. can buy fake followers on 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 Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I always get messages saying, "Do I want to buy Good fake Lord. followers so then make myself look more popular than mm. I am?" Which then means, "Oh, I'll follow her." Obviously, she's of note because she's got three thousand mm. followers or whatever. And it, it's just such a strange, slightly sad story, really. That there is a sadness to this. That this guy that's obviously of means because you must be of means if you can afford to buy yourself a tour across Europe when you come from LA and fly there and hire gear and all that kind of thing and hire these odd people who are the people in this band with him where, mm. we know, where, where are they at you know it's really were they in on it did they know didn't they know it's very odd so so it does if you have the, if you have the right means you can buy yourself mm. the chance to be a kind of a not even a big star really i mean no offense to the underworld or any of these venues which are good venues but you know they are you know the underworld was probably the headlight the, the biggest venue on the tour and that is you know 200 and you know that is a the, you know if we're talking the hundreds here the low hundreds it just seems really odd and yet even if you try to buy yourself a career as a rock star you still end up playing empty rooms but threatening didn't seem to mind that it's, it, it, this is a sort of jim will fix it <laughs> without jim admittedly because we don't talk about jim anymore mm. but but it, it, this seems to be a very odd kind of it, it, this isn't someone this isn't a Fleetwood Mac situation where someone else has gone all oh, quick we better put a band mm. on replace the actual band this guy is just it's, it's like the world's biggest experience day isn't it really this guy's bought himself the chance to be a rock star on tour playing to empty rooms and not really minded I am I am so puzzled by this story Terence it's so strange yes I, I've got a kind of theory about this see if it stands up i mean this okay. this debacle with this with with this non-bad threat it shows that scams are always with us the internet and social That's media right. just enables scammers to find new route ways but we, we, we talked about the proliferation of internet-based grifters recently but it strikes yes. me that this fellow jared threatening seems to be the anti-grifter of all as all of this doesn't seem to have generated any income for him in fact the reverse considerable cost now as you say, he used some strange process to buy Facebook fans, Instagram followers and so on. But of course, in some strange way, this is my theory, he may now have achieved, at least to a degree, what he was striving for, which inevitably seems to be to become famous. famous. The yeah. world increasingly seems to be full of um, young people who want to become celebrities and it doesn't matter how. So per- perhaps... He'll appear now on reality TV, mm. go through some sort of tearful redemption, and go on to play sell-out tours. Stranger things, you know, have happened. That's the only it's... reason I can think he would have done it. Yeah, and the strange thing as well, and that is, I, I think that's probably a good theory, really. But there are, there are. Well, apparently, if you dip deeper into this, there are. So, so when you looked at when you, I suppose these places looking to book bands, you'd think, oh well, had they got any things on the internet? Because my very brief career mm. as a stand-up, I used to occasionally get bookings because there was a video of me on YouTube, and I got a, a nice booking, a nice gig once, and somewhere it was marketed as as cleverly marketed as Shoreditch, but actually the pub was nearer to Stepney than it was Shoreditch. But never mind, it was a really nice little little gig, lovely promoter. She was really pleasant, very keen to promote young women in comedy, and she said, oh, I saw your video on YouTube, and I really liked it, and I thought that you'd fit in really well. So YouTube is, and she's literally been trawling YouTube for female stand-up comedians. And so YouTube, to have stuff on YouTube is quite is quite important, I think, as a promotional thing. And it says, um, there are live videos on the net where the crowd-watching Threatin are obscured. There are more where the other members of Threatin are nowhere to be seen. Check out their official, this is anime, the official music video for Wailing Alt-Rock Stinker, Living is Dying. I quite like a band called the Wailing Alt-Rock Stinkers, <laughs> actually. And you'll see that the long-haired lad on all the tour posters plays every single instrument. It does seem... Um, it does seem it's very the ultimate um, vanity project, really. Oh well, it? absolutely. I mean, this is the strange things. Almost peculiar. Mm. Coming next, we discover a new term from the worst creative minds in the world. Um, <laughs> we like to spoil you here on the Parish Council. That's right. After the original Disney girl, Annette Funicello. Lucky, lucky, lucky me! I'm a lucky son of a gun. 
this because I never really knew who Annette Funicello was aside from the fact that she was mentioned in passing in the uh, in the Peanuts um, cartoons <laughs> Linus was quite fond of her if I remember correctly so so I never knew who she was but like you say she was one of the original popular Mouseketeers on the original Mickey Mouse Club but uh, she was an Italian American actress and singer and I heard this song recently um as I, you know, as I, I I work hard during the week, I usually spend most of my life dazed in front of the TV when I come in. And every every advert has a song on it now. So much music is used on adverts, and embarrassingly, quite a lot of the music I pick for this is stuff that I've heard on adverts and quite liked. <laughs> and and then uh, sort of sound hounded, shazammed other apps are available to try and find out what it is. And this is used on an advert, and I just love it. And then of course, once I found out it was a net furniture, I said, like, "Oh, so that's who that is." So uh, so obviously a little bit before my time, but um. She uh, she was sort of um, in the uh, she popularised the successful beach party genre of films alongside Frankie a- Avalon. But I absolutely love that. That's lucky, lucky. I think it's it, it always cheers me up. It's such a such a cheery tune. When one went to the cinema in the late sixties and early seventies, mm. there used to be what they called a B movie uh, yes. supporting the main film, and those B movies always uh, seemed to feature Annette Funicello on a beach, as you say, and, mm. and the plot usually. Uh, consisted of, of, of Annette Furnicello falling in love with a bad boy who was normally a drag racing champion yes. or something like that. And then in the final scene, she realises that the good college boy is the one for her. That's oh, how that, I knew that, Annette Furnicello. That is lovely. Mm. And lo- looking at her output, her single output, 64, the three of the four singles that she released in 64, Muscle Beach Party, Drafted <laughs> Thy dream, dream About Frankie, who I assume is the, mm. is the bad boy, uh, Bikini Beach Party, backed with the Clyde and the Wawa Tootsie backed with the Clyde. That really is will this do, won't it? If they're using the same B side twice. Um, and uh, yeah, also she recorded with the Beach Boys, the Monkey's Uncle in 1965. So, <laughs> so yeah, I might try and dig a bit more into mm. also feel a bit sorry for her. 19 and, and speaking for all of us that have slightly complicated, well, they shouldn't be complicated, but names mm. that people complicate out there. Um, 1967, she uh, released What's a Girl to Do backed with When You Get what you want um her name was misspelled on both sides um as 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 a net um with three t's instead of two and speaking of someone that has their name mangled with t's and e's all the time solidarity to to my uh, my sister in misspelled name annette funicello yeah she was american america's golden girl for about 18 months in the in the mid mid 60s and well uh, it, well, it looks like most mm. of her kind of singles are released in like you say sort of mm. 62 63 64 and then Mm. she had a few hits after that and then she bizarrely had a sort of comeback single in 1983 but she uh, she passed away i think about four years ago Mm. but um interestingly one of her films is babes in toyland which i assume is where the band took their name from oh of course yes i'm sure that's Mm, right things you never knew but yes her her films muscle beach party bikini beach pajama party beach blanket bingo which sounds like a like fun (laughs) ski party out how to stuff a wild bikini dr goldfoot in the bikini machine these are all band names these are all perfect (laughs) i love the fact that her her comeback single in her comeback film 
film. She had lots of luck in 1985. I assume that was that was featured that tune. And uh, back to the beach in 1987, oh, the sad. ultimate name for Vunicello's uh, yeah. comeback. But yes, be, uh, you know what can I say? There are lots of any aspiring bands out there. Maybe Threatening could change his name to uh, to, to uh, uh, how to, to Doctor Goldfoot in the Bikini Machine, and then have auditions to who's going to be in the Bikini Machine. Now, we, we, we must be going through the worst period of creativity when it comes to advertising and commercials, particularly on TV. the worst period of everything, by the, by <laughs> the very true, of it, yeah. frankly. Um, I'm fairly sure I'm not alone in, um, other than live sporting events, always trying to ensure that I record any shows on commercial television so I just fast-forward, zip yes. through the adverts. Even when the very occasional well-created commercial does appear, uh, they, they get replayed so often that they end up driving us mad now this week though you've discovered a new nadir when it comes to a particular style of packaging yes and uh, you know what can i say the world is just kind of seems to be there i feel like <laughs> at the moment the outside world is a special brand of acid that is gradually dissolving the frontal lobes of my brain i must admit an article that i saw in last sunday's observer written by tim lewis um the, the headline is actually how we fell out of love with milk um now it was confusing enough that the kind of these sort of introductory sort of explanation byline thing said um alt milks have never been more popular i love the idea of alt milk by the way it's mm. much more appealing than the alt right um yes yeah, so, so you know like milk but not you know i like the idea alt rock no i, I like my milk more alt thank you so um so so he says a couple of weeks ago, some eye-catching billboards began appearing around central and east London. Of course, they were. An entire tunnel to the underground were plastered with the adverts. The sides of large buildings were covered. On one panel, there was a carton, or in some instances, three of Oatly, um, which is an oat drink made by a cult Swedish company that favours stark graphics, a blue-grey colour scheme, which is a market and which is a market leader. They're not uncompetitive field. In the tongue-in-cheek promotional messages known as, and brace yourself for a, 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 a nadir of idiocy term, what's known as wackaging. Oh, so God. wacky packaging wackaging. is known as wackaging, I know. It's all about the end of days, man. Not so much the, 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 the rise of the far right in various countries and the, the presuming collapse of our own government here in the UK in the, in the coming days, but um, wackaging. That is a true sign that we're at the end of days, I feel. Mm. Uh, the adjacent panel, in large wobbly type, because every Everything has to look amateur nowadays. Uh, reds, um, it's like milk, but made for humans. <laughs> oh, and, and, and it is just... Uh, the, 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 the guy is... Um, around the same time during commercial breaks, and this is where it's... Uh, mm. We seem to be living in an odd world. There's a 15-second clip on Channel 4's 4 On Demand um, of a man in a field of oats playing a tilly 1980s synthesizer and howling, wow, and no cow. I mean, that is catchy. You, you can't... And this guy's Tony Peterson, and in that mm. Scandinavian way, there are lots of S's in his name. Um, the 50-year-old um, <laughs> CEO of Oatly. This guy's clearly old enough to know better. And the song, you, will not, you won't be entirely surprised, it's his own composition. Mm. Um, what is it about men... I've, I'm sorry to say this, mm. but what is this um, about men... To um, uh, that that seem to be able to, uh, we're living in a world where men with too much money, more money than sense, which is quite clear, are funding themselves to foist their ridiculous dreams on the rest of us, frankly. I, I, I'm warming to this theme now. On, on the back of threatening, for me now, my takeaway from this is not necessarily alt milks or wackaging, although wackaging is tedious, and I think we often bring up Innocent on this podcast and mm. Eddie Izzard's brilliant sort of piece years before Innocent, actually, which is quite prophetic, really, saying that now everything has to be organic and friendly, and the fruit in this is really groovy and has agreed to be in the jam. And so so we um, we have this kind of... Um, so we've had so we've been moving this way towards a while with this kind of cutesy children for adults packaging and you can um, this is yes another thing that millennials get blamed for this man is 50 years old this man is clearly old enough to know better frankly it is it is i can't believe we're living in a world where if you are going to be a kind of a, a rich magnate and you're going to foist your own dreams on me can they at least be good and not feature wackaging I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that aspect but on the other hand I'm mm. all in favour of alt milk because I've never ever liked milk at all mm, especially okay. on its own 
The dislike of milk, I think, almost certainly refers back to being at prep school and before Mrs Thatcher abolished the free milk for school children uh, uh, scheme. Um, yeah, Mrs Thatcher, milk snatcher. Milk snatcher. Yeah. All children were given a, a third of a pint of milk at school in the in the morning in my era and at my school. We had very old-fashioned, huge old iron radiators, and I suppose the teachers thought they were being kind. But in the winter, they used oh, to no. put yeah, they used to put the bottles of milk on top of oh, these radiators, yuck. oh man, and to, to warm them up for the children. So at about ten thirty, we would be presented with these bottles of overheated, curdled, lumpy milk. Oh. And God, I've, that makes me feel slightly ill. Jeez, I've hardly been able to look at the stuff since. I'm I'm now very much in in the, 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 the sort of post milk generation. And if I have cereal, I'll have an alternative like soya milk. I don't drink milk at all. Like, you know, cow's milk. Mm. Or, and um, because you may say, well, why would somebody want to do that? Because if I'm having, um, say, shreddies, all I want is the shreddies to be a bit soggy. I don't, I, you know, yeah, I, same. I don't, I I just, don't, don't do it. I have porridge of water. I can't mm, deal with, with can't with deal with milk. milk. I understand the argument that cow milk has more natural vitamins and stuff. I don't know, but I'm 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 also heading as far as I can to being vegan at home. It's still quite difficult for a fussy eater like me to eat well, out yes, vegan stuff. Very I, I, very I, difficult. Then, yeah, but yeah. but it's, having said that though, I have a friend who has been. She, she's been vegan. When I say vegan, before it was fashionable, mm. she has been vegan since she was eight years old in 1992. So, so, and mm. she, when I went to visit her in Manchester recently, said to me, you know, people say, oh, isn't it? Te-? She, uh, she has other vegan friends that say, oh, isn't it terrible that you know this has become like a fad? And she said, I'm loving this fad mm. because there are places I can actually go out and eat now, which which never had sort of happened to her before. But I think that there's a point, there's an interesting and serious point here mm. in that. You know, I'm I'm a sort of proud meat and, and mm. dairy eater, and always have been. But I think that um, we are all going to have to review as climate change becomes more and more obvious. We are all going to have to, I think, seriously review the way that we live our lives from top mm. to bottom. And in a way, I am I would be glad of sort of non-cow's milk related options, things like oat milk, for example, or mm. soy milk, because I really I really want there. We really need to think about rapidly reducing the amount of animal-based mm. products that we all consume. So, and this is why it's so annoying because it's like this is a really, really good thing and a really good idea. But you were putting me off with your stupid fifty-year-old wannabe mm, rock star man playing a keyboard on Channel Four, and also your ridiculous concept of wackaging. It's like, can you not just market this for normal people? Mm. And this is why people blame millennials. But I don't think it's necessarily millennials. But I'm sick of things having to be sold to me in an infant way in order for me to want to consume them. I don't think that's right. No, I mean, I am an idiot. I can't, I can't <laughs> I'm not. And I do do stupid, idiotic things like play on apps sometimes. But equally, you know, I don't... You know, I'm I'm happy to, to, to you know, for you to market soy milk on the fact that it's not going to trash the planet rather than the fact that it's it's got wobbly handwriting in crayon on the side. <laughs> Songs that are described as classics, but you just can't warm to them at all. We'll tell you ours. That's right after, ooh, the Beatles. Oh, my soul. Well, baby, 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 don't you know my love is true? Honey, 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 say get up off that money. I love, 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 love. Oh, my soul.
one of the most incredible one minute and 37 seconds in Beatles, Beatles history. Uh, Paul McCartney at 20 years of age and bringing one of the greatest rock and roll vocal performances of his, uh, the Beatles, and actually I'll say it, any rock performance. Um, hmm. I'm going right out there. Recorded on 1st of August 1963 for Pop Go the Beatles. Uh, it later turned up on the Live at the BBC compilation. The Beatles, Which is great, yeah. Did the beat? Well, they they stuck they stuck a couple of those out to um, to deflect the bootleggers because so many of them were yeah. uh, popping up illegally that uh, the the remaining people in charge of Apple thought, well, we'll, we'll have to, we'll put may as well put these out officially because you know everybody's you know we may as well profit from them rather than bootleggers. Yeah, and, and am I right in thinking that then this was in the sort of early to mid nineties? It then sparked an interest mm. which resulted eventually in the anthology series. Um, it, the, the live at the BBC's came after the anthology. Oh, I think they? it's the other oh, way round, really. I'm yeah, completely, I'm yeah. completely confused. But mm. no, I, 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 they recently re-released those on vinyl as well. Mm. I think, which which are very popular. But no, there's some really great forgotten stuff on that, isn't there? I love those compilations. Yeah, as, as a sort of 15 year old, I got really into them. It's it's what's really terrific about them, and what goes to prove is all those, um, you know, as Ma- Malcolm Gladwell once sort of quoted, all those uh, ten thousand hours in Hamburg had just really turned them into the tightest band. This, this was oh, the yeah, thing with absolutely. the Beatles; they were already complete when they broke through. They weren't learning their trade; they weren't in their early days. They'd already been playing together for six years, so they 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 were ready. You know when when the when the um, when fame hit in in sixty two sixty three and these these tracks on the on the BBC um, compilations go to show that's the Beatles covering Little Richard's Ooh My Soul absolutely I think we've talked before on the podcast about how the decline of the small club circuit mm. means that you don't have these these kind of bulletproof musicians anymore Elton John current star of the John Lewis ads another mm. case in point he really did come up through the club scene mm. learning all the standards and playing two or three times a week as a result of which you get tight you get you know you get good by just doing that really. sort of thing really now all oh, those golden classics how we love them <laughs> who wouldn't want a compilation with rock's greatest songs so Celebrated as part of music's great culture and history. Well, not us, because well, we have some so-called classics to pull off their pedestals, starting with Jules. Well, yes, indeed. And I just want to say, these songs for me mm. are not necessarily songs that I intensely dislike. Mm. I can't bring myself to dislike them because I can't bring myself to care because I just don't <laughs> get them at all. I just, I just, I can understand why other people really love them. So this is mm. a case in point here. I DJed at a, a birthday, a 40th birthday party for a friend of mine I used to work with who's lovely. And she said, oh, I'd love you to come and DJ at my birthday party. And I said, okay, they didn't have any equipment there. So I brought the laptop and she said, I'll send you a Spotify playlist of the kind of stuff that I'm sort of going for you don't have to play all this you can play other stuff but mm. this is the kind of mood I'd like and that's really useful anyone out there that wants to book a DJ that is a helpful way to do it and she said basically she it was above Hastings premier sort of metal pub called Carlisle mm. in Hastings which oddly is owned by the council who get the rental income but anyway it's it's a real biker pub and they have some you know they have cobwebs it's Halloween maybe they'd like here. to book threat in well, well, that would have been a good benefit, <laughs> I think. But anyway, and all of his many fans. But um, but they but it's much loved locally because it has a function room that I think is is either free or very affordable to hire upstairs. That does have a small stage and things. It's it's a lovely lovely venue and um, unexpectedly nice when you go in. And she wanted a rock themed eighties birthday party. She loves Alice Cooper, so that was the kind of thing that she wanted. Um, but there were people that were starting to request this song, which I didn't have. I did manage to make dreams come true eventually. But, you know, you think, <laughs> God, if five different people have requested this song, it must be really amazing. It must be a real dance. It must be really getting, you know, it must be really, you know, an all-time classic. The song was Toto, um, mm. Africa. Okay. Um, so eventually, after much badgering, and I hadn't heard it for donkey's years, mm. and so I thought, oh, you know, maybe maybe it's amazing. Maybe I'm missing out on this. Maybe it's just one of those weird blank spots that you have as a DJ sometimes. And so I managed to find a way. And never let it be said I don't try and make people's dreams come true. I managed to log on to the venue's Wi-Fi um, on the laptop. I then bought it on iTunes on my mobile phone, <laughs> and then it automatically updated my iTunes on the laptop, and I was able to drop it in. So resourcefully, I found a 
solution to this. So I dropped in Toto's, you know, Africa and started playing it. And the dance floor filled. People were so excited that I was playing the tune that they wanted. And then they shuffled about a bit because uh, Africa by Toto mm. is mid-paced. It is not... I, I was I was badgered into playing This Old House by Shaking Stevens. And actually, that is a genuine tune that gets people to move. <laughs> this... Do, 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 and you think, okay, so this is obviously building to something. And it doesn't. It really doesn't at all. It's 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 got a strong chorus. You can hum the tune. We could we could tune now. Obviously, setting aside the fact that culturally it is completely inappropriate and embarrassing and out of date now, it's right up there with them. Um, and uh, and and it won't be snowing in Africa this Christmas oh, time. Yes. The greatest gift they'll get this year is life. Whoa, mm. from uh, from the original. Do they know it's Christmas? It is that similar era, and it's that similar embarrassing white people trying to care um, patronisingly about other people type thing. But I, I and I know there are some listeners to this podcast who will be appalled by my my attitude on this. But I just don't understand it, Terence. What is it about this song that people like the the the, the, the original version of this record and um, the Hackney? Colby Brass Band did an excellent version of Africa, Brass Band version of Africa, which is great, but it's it doesn't go anywhere, Terence. What no, am no. I hearing? Well, in places, the lyrics, they make me shiver with embarrassment. They read as though uh, they were written by someone who's never been nearer to Africa than Disney's <laughs> than Animal have, Kingdom. Yeah. Yes, yes. So um, I did check, and indeed, Jeff Picaro, who, who wrote it, says, it is, quote, a white boy trying to write a song about Africa, but since he's never been there, he can only tell what he's seen on TV. And the clumsiness... Mm, a bit, that's a bit subtler, lost on me, I think. The clumsiness of as sure as Kilimanjaro rises like like Olympus above the Serengeti. I mean, oh, it's absolutely it, it's terrible. A bit, it's a bit sort of ice by Africa, isn't it? Really? Only but saving I... grace is the ex- there's got exquisite backing vocals. Timothy B. Schmidt from the Eagles is on there. Mm, so the, true, the actual right, vocals right. are actually great, but the the lyrics and the the whole staging of the thing, and as you say, uh, the, the 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 whole sort of band aid no style ethos. Yeah, and I'm more offended as a DJ by the fact there is no pace to it at all but yet people gamely shuffled around to it people genuinely seem to love that song absolutely bizarre for, for my first song in the everyone else says it's a classic but I don't get it category um, I could have picked many you mentioned him earlier from the works of Elton John mm. um, there's, there's two things with Elton um, for me Two things. I'm I'm, I'm sorry about this, Elton. Yeah, Yeah, now pin your ears back, Elton, and listen carefully. Um, He sings in an accent that suggests he was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Memphis, Tennessee, Mm. when in fact he comes from Pinner in Middlesex, North London. Yes, Um, quite. The second thing, and key to my irritation with his songs, is his lifelong technique of writing with Bernie Taupin. And I really think they need to Mm. to read... think this now i really do um after sort of 50 60 years whatever it is but, but, but they write as though they are pen friends torpin writes the lyrics remotely and then sends them um once upon a time by fax later by the internet of course and elton hops up to his little piano um to find 20 pages of suggested suggested um, lyrics he then writes the music completely independently and therein lies the problem they're Mm. never in the same room so you then find rather than collaborate elton treats the lyrics as the finished article and then has to squeeze them into a melody and nowhere is this problem more more audible than on that very odd song Daniel, beloved by millions I know around the world. It's a nice tune, in fairness. It's a very pleasant tune to listen to. Well, you can't escape the the simplistic rhyming and the really, really weird hanging on to the word Spain so that it fits uh, in with the melody. So we get, Daniel is travelling tonight on a plane. Fair enough. Yeah, no I, I, problem that's there. A good opening line. It sets up good, the story. Sounds good, for, good. Good for Daniel. Yeah, but it's followed by, I can see the red tail lights heading for spare. Eh, 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 in. Oh, oh wow! Are there no country? Are there no other countries with more syllables that also have an A sound? Wouldn't you? Why did it have to the Ukraine? That's got the, the Ukraine. And in the next verse, well, Daniel says it's the best place he's ever been, and. 
This mm. mangling is apparent in many Elton Torpin compositions for the same reason of stretching and bending words to fit a melody because they don't actually write together. So knocked off the rock and roll classic pedestal, Elton John's Daniel. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. That's a point that I'd never mm. thought of before, but you're, you're right. It's kind of trying to squash him. But that's why it's always really hard when you've got one person that does lyrics and one person that's done the, yeah. does the tune. How do you get them to scan? If, they, if they were in the had... same room, Jules, they could negotiate and discuss. But Torpin's on the west coast of America sending them over by fax or internet to Elton in uh, Windsor. And so who they, they, they... Who squashes yeah, them in. Squashes yeah, them in. Uh, 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 Which golden classic are we just destroying next, Jules? Or at least just not understanding, really. This is the thing. Well, and, and, and this is a real source of sadness for me mm. because two of my dearest friends love this band and love this person. And I've always loathed... They've just not understood this song at all. So um, years ago, I used to sing in this in group. And there were sort of, we had a slightly shifting cast, but they're, they're, I think the total personnel was about 12 or 13 at one point. And we used to, we, it was run by Claire Hamill. Oh, it was then run by somebody else, but yeah, singer songwriter Claire Hamill, who I just knew was Claire that I drank in the pub with. I didn't really know until someone explained to me sort of her history. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lovely lady, a good, good teacher, really talented musician. And so she would suggest, and one week she went, oh, I'll suggest some songs that you might want to do. We, we mostly formed because one of our friends wanted to do Beatles songs. And we played the Beatles Day in Hastings, which is a charity event, about five or six years in a row. So so we, well, that was very much our kind of over a 60s type songs. And one, one week she said, oh, I've got some new songs to suggest. And I'd like you to sing this. And some people were wildly enthusiastic about it. And I... It wasn't my finest hour. I literally ended up stood with my arms crossed going, I don't want to do this. And this is how we introduced our UN-style system of picking songs where one person could have a veto. And I did exercise my veto on this. My friends, Tim and Susan, who I love dearly, are mad, 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 mad about Phil Collins and Genesis. And they are really into it. And some of the Genesis songs are great. We had a, 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 a sort of day early this summer where we painted another friend's beach hut. So there were four of us painting a beach hut and taking it in turns to play through Spotify the music that we want. So Tim and Susan made us listen to Genesis for ages. And me and our other friend, Polly, were, you know, a little, little bit affronted. No, she was affronted. I was just a bit bemused by this. And um, But, we, you know, we, we, we went through it and some of them were quite good. And I do, you know, I can't resist I Can't Dance. I do really like that. <laughs> Until we got to some of Phil's solo stuff. And he did the 60s covers. And they go, oh, at least he's cut. This is source material is good. And then In the Air Tonight came on. And that was the song that I remember from my singing group days. <laughs> I do not understand this song. It was used in that Cadbury's advert, mm. wasn't it? With the gorilla that drummed. Mm. And again, in that advert, people went, oh, it's amazing. You wait for the gorilla, gorilla you, the anticipation, and it comes in with the drum solo. And usually I love drum solos. I love the bit where, where songs break open with drums. I think it's brilliant. Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin, love that. You know, despite <laughs> the fact my friend once called the uh, the drum solo in that a crime against God, he was completely mm. right. He also loves In the Air Tonight, so clearly his judgment is affected. Mm. But I just... And then when the griller comes in drumming on that track, you just think, is that it? And that is my view on In the Air Tonight. When it builds, it's a song that's like totally it's Africa it's trying to build to something and then when there's sort of the drop comes to borrow house music terminology you think is that it mm. what, 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 what have we been waiting for I don't understand this it's just there's nothing here it's all this kind of sort of swooshy type it makes me feel like those old sort of open university documentaries about about glaciers and geezers and things it's got that kind of whooshy background music and it's just that it's whooshy background music for me. I don't, I don't see what it is. What are we building to? Nothing much, it would seem. There is something fundamentally, and I'm, I'm sorry about this, but there's something fundamentally irritating about Phil Collins. I know, I know he's, <laughs> he's got. He's almost too sincere, isn't he? Really, I know, he tries a bit too hard. He's got his health challenges, I know, but he's always oh, yeah. come across as quite the curmudgeon. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't. Yeah. yeah, I was in, a, I was in a movie with him um, in oh, yeah. 1988. Yeah, uh, but uh, I didn't see much of him because he was the star, and what was the I movie? wasn't. Was it Buster? Buster, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 played I didn't a, know you were in Buster. I, I played a thug. 
Mm. Oh, do you know, mm. it's this non-typecasting exactly, that has really yeah. beset your yeah. career, isn't it? it... Uh, uh, one thing I would say in favour of Phil Collins, though, mm. is I was made to sit through the Golden Jubilee concert by my parents in 2002, and as an 18, a 17-year-old, you can imagine I was very mm. sulky about this. Mm. Um, like all of my friends at that time, we, we listened out for Ozzy Osbourne with great interest, because, of course, <laughs> Ozzy, the Osbournes was becoming a thing at that point. But I have to say, the backing band... My, remember my dad saying, God, this backing band and the singers, they pulled Blue through a 60s Motown hmm. medley, and it was Sam Brown was one of the backing singers, oh, and, it was, and they really did in the days when she was sort of still singing, and mm. they really did pull them through. But the backing band, the drummer in the backing band that really put a shift in, that played for hours with anyone that would, that really drum well, that was really giving it some, was Phil Collins. Mm. So I did think, well, fair enough. As a sessioner, he showed a real lack of ego and really did kind of get on with it there. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, a bit, mm. um, bit surprising there. But no, like, like you say, not um, many things about Phil Collins that, that are, I, I, I suspect he's, he's a bit like Sting for me as well mm. in that I suspect they are fundamentally probably decent people although Phil mm. Collins has made some comments about the paying of tax which I'm not and, and indeed lived a lifestyle around the non you know mm. the sort of ways in which to pay not as much tax as perhaps he otherwise might do being very careful about my wording there mm. which I politically find difficult but they're these mm. people who you think they are just trying so hard that I just am bemused by it Mm, yes, exactly. A final, a final choice uh, for us um, is um, recorded at Tittenhurst Park, Ascot, Berkshire, a Grade mm. Two listed Georgian country house, sitting in a state of uh, in an estate of seventy-two acres in nineteen seventy-one. Imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world, wrote John Lennon in his massive white room, sitting at his white piano while his security people roamed the grounds looking out (laughs) for 'er ne'er-do-wells to throw out. It was a huge hit all around the world, enabling him to buy... Even more properties and possessions himself, including multiple apartments in the Dakota building in New York overlooking Central Park. Maybe he composed the lyrics as he drove round in his Rolls Royce (laughs) Phantom, which had a television, a fridge and a double bed in it. Imagine all the people sharing all the world, but don't include in that all my cars, my homes and all my royalties, just everyone else sharing all their possessions well quite yes lennon yes he was a beetle and i love him for that but yeah, let's absolutely. be honest his status as working class hero is laughable the bloke never had a proper job in his life he was no way in touch with the working man so for the vanity and hypocrisy i'm happy to never hear it again in my life john and yoko's imagine Absolutely, good choice, frankly, for the for the for the uh, par- the PC dumper that we've got this week. That is down borrowed from Smash Hits. That is going to mm. the dumper straight away. Oh man, yeah, I, I agree with you. And again, to bring Sting back into the mm. equation, I, we should have a warning this week about the podcast. Warning contains Sting. Um, <laughs> we we I'm I'm quite a fan of Indian Nights tweet from ages ago because Sting did an album about the um, the dockyards up in um, and the shipyards oh, up Lord, in the northeast yeah. where he originally had of course and um, as as, uh, Indian Knight put it uh, here he is again he went on later with George Holland to promote Mm. this here he is again millionaire Sting singing about shipyards and it's the the shipyards which he has Mm. even if he had any connection with them in the past I I suspect has long stopped for many years and yes like you I do find this kind of hypocrisy really sticking in my corner I think you know our, our complaints about your com- very good complaint about children in need last week mm. these millionaires mm. that tell us to donate our money when they're busy trying a, they've got a lot of their own money which be they're busy trying not to donate again Bono and you too have mm. had some interesting stories about their tax affairs which don't necessarily sit well with Bono's kind of mission to be a living saint around various other things so yeah like you I find this tedious really and also again I I just don't like mid-paced songs either be a ballad or and I'm not that keen on ballads anyway really either be a ballad or be a banger you know these kind of songs that threaten to get going and then don't I find them Mm. such a disappointment and all of these songs make me cross well no Daniel less so actually on that score but most of these songs make me cross just for just for not really bothering to do much really to to, to, you know but we have these huge kind of lyrical concepts and pretending to be about stuff 
and then just being a bit meh really and and to me like you know imagine has that as a failing as well in that it's a bit um oh, i don't know i just like you i just find myself a bit kind of turned off by it really i just don't see the point in it when you're not destroying the temples of rock history and or just walking past them a bit bored <laughs> which is really how i feel about them where can we find you this week well, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to be a bit of a wander. Uh, you can find me. Well, I do have a doctor's appointment, but I'd rather you didn't. Oh come no, to we that. won't come to you that. Can, with, no, 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 I don't think you need to. Um, I, you know, unless you want your blood pressure checked too. But, um, but I'm this evening, Saturday the seventeenth. I'm looking forward to watching Letitia Sadier, um, former Stereolab front woman, and mm-hmm. created mine from that, playing at the Printworks in Hastings. There are still a few tickets available if you want to come. It looks really good. Also, very much looking forward to next Friday the twenty third. Um, I am playing at the Sailing Club in Hastings um, it's completely sold out there are no tickets it's a mystery headliner and I am DJing Ooh. so really looking forward to that the the, the minds behind it include um, Justin Welch, Welch who used to be the drummer in Elastica um, there are very I, I can't divulge the headliner but there are some really it's not Toto is it uh, well, um, you know, it's, it's Toto supported by Sting. No, it's uh, <laughs> sadly, you know, that sadly or perhaps happily not. It's not mm. at the Carlisle. It's at a, a slightly more salubrious venue in Hastings. But yeah, it's um, it's it, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. That's going to be good. And if you have got a ticket for that, looking forward to that. But in the meantime, if you cannot get to any of these things, you do have the joy of getting to see me um, or getting to hear me doing Indie Wonderland on Barricade Radio, eight to ten pm, barricaderadio.com, Indie Alt Rock and Miscellaneous. Thanks to you for listening. Yeah, particularly you, man. And thanks to executive producers Rona and Hilly. Big thanks to the exec producer Massive. Also, we're heading towards zoo podcasting, aren't we? <laughs> to, Ooh, pl- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to play us out, one of the pioneering hip hop bands from New York City. Yeah, and yet um, I, I'm getting into hip hop more as I, I get older, really. And I'm I'm very I was very thinly hip hopped for ages, but uh, now I'm starting to starting to get more into it. And I think this came up on a again on a, on an iMe um, sort of an iTunes Apple Music playlist. And no, I didn't. I heard this on Six Music. I, mm. I, I it might have been Huey that played it on Six Music. Seems like a Huey type type tune. Mm. And I, I really like this. I, I as you know, I like a bit of jazz anyway. Mm. And I and I just I think this has got a great sort of it's a great crossover tune hip hop and jazz often a sort of a febrile a kind of area for crossover and it just has a great vibe this I really like this this is as you say um, hip hop pioneers which I had no familiarity with at all until I heard this uh, Stetsasonic and this is talking all that jazz Get away with that You criticize our method Or how we make records You said it wasn't art So now we're gonna rip you apart Stop Check it out my man This is the music of a hip hop band Jazz Well you can call it that But this jazz retains a new format Point when you misjudged us Speculated Created a fuss You've made the same mistake Politicians had Talking all that jazz Tell you to step off a lot You see you misunderstood A sample just a tactic A portion of my method A tool In fact it's only of importance When I make it a priority And what we sample love By the majority But you a minority In terms of thought Narrow Minded And poorly taught About hip hop game Or the silly game To erase my music So no one can use it You step on us And we'll step on you Can't have your cake And eat it too Talking all that jazz
tell the truth, James Brown was old. Tell Eric and Rock came out with I Got Soul. Rap brings back old R&B, and if we would not, people could have forgotten. We want to make this perfectly clear. We're talented and strong and have no fear. Of those who choose to judge but lack pizzazz. Talking all that jazz. Now we're not trying to be a boss to you. We just want to get across to you. That if you're talking jazz, the situation is a no-win. You might even get hurt, my friend. That's a sonic, the hip-hop band And like Sly and the Family Stone, we will stand Up for the music we live and play And for the song we sing today For now, let us set the record straight And later on we'll have a forum and a formal debate But it's important you remember though What you reap is what you sow Talking all that jazz Talking all that jazz Talking all that jazz You have been listening to a DACA Media Production.